This is At Ease, the military podcast of Thomas Nelson Community College. I'm Gary Pounder, part of the military team here at TNCC, and on today's edition of the podcast, we're going to be talking about services and programs available for veterans, for transitioning military, for really the entire um, armed forces community, and available through the Virginia Employment Commission. And joining us on the podcast is David DeBose. He is the lead veterans employment representative at the VEC office here in Hampton. David, first of all, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join us here on the podcast. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to talking with you. Glad to have you along. Uh, Before we start, I should point out that you, like me, are a proud uh, retired member or former member of the U.S. Air Force. And uh, tell us about your Air Force experiences, your Air Force career, how what happened that prompted you to join the the USAF and what you did during your 27 years on active duty. Oh, wow. That could be a long story. We'd be here all day. <laughs> but uh, actually, um, what got me started in the Air Force was uh, I got a degree out of college. I was out there looking for a job. This was in the uh, early 1980s when the economy wasn't doing too well. So I'm out there searching for jobs, couldn't find nothing. I did not want to stay at home and live off of my parents. So I just decided to join the military. And uh, I picked the Air Force because I, I felt like that was the, the best fit for me. When I joined, I got into the communications electronics field, uh, liked what I was doing, and uh, decided to stay there. I had the opportunity to uh, uh, go for an officer, but I just loved what I was doing as an enlisted person and just kind of uh, let that forego. And uh, I look back on it, I don't really regret it. You know, it was to me, it's kind of like more about the money than it was. <laughs> the job that I was doing at the time, but I actually stuck with it for almost 27 years, went from an E3 all the way up to an E9. So I actually retired with 27 years of service as a chief master sergeant in the U.S. Air Force. We should point out that, you know, the rank you retired at, chief master sergeant E9 on the pay grade scale, that is the highest enlisted rank in the Air Force. And we should also point out that by federal law, only 1% of the Air Force enlisted force can serve in the E-9 grade at any given time. So actually, reaching the uh, rank of Chief Master Sergeant in some ways is tougher than making, say, Major or Lieutenant Colonel <laughs> on the officer side. And that's just, you know, a simple fact of life. So, you know, kudos to you for, um, first of all, joining for serving and then for, you know, reaching that uh, that, that that highest enlisted rank. And you mentioned you were in the communications electronic field. Tell us about some of the assignments you had and some of the jobs that you actually performed in that career field in the Air Force. Okay. Well, uh, the career field that I was in, or should I say the unit that I was actually assigned with, was pretty a uh, pretty unique unit. At the time, it was called the Combat uh, Evaluation Group. We were under SAC. So if you know anything about the strategic air command back back in the day they, they i do i was a sack train killer uh, as a unit historian of all things back in the 80s so yeah funny thing about sack was you know you look at the air force reg for a particular career field job function something like that it would be maybe 10 15 20 pages long the sack supplement guaranteed was always about four times as long you never <laughs> lacked for guidance in strategic true. air command Absolutely. So I became a part of this uh, special unit called the Communications Electronics uh, Evaluation Group. We were actually stationed at remote radar sites all over the country, and we provided electronic uh, warfare training to the SAC bomber crews at the time. Uh, Most of our customers were B-52s. We did deal with uh, FB-111s from time to time and any other type of bomber that was coming through needing uh, any type of electronic warfare training. The type of system that we used at the time was actually a system that, and this was all declassified, a system that was captured uh, back during the Is- Israeli war. They captured a Russian SAM surface air missile system. They re-engineered it into a training system. And that's one of the systems that we actually used to uh, shoot signals, uh, threat signals at the bomber crews. They would uh, in turn uh, do countermeasures to try to avoid us. We had mm-hmm. a system set up to where we could measure those countermeasures and let the crews know how well they did in avoiding the simulated SAM missiles that were being <laughs> launched. It's, it's kind of like a real, real-time uh, video game, like the, what the kids play now. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it had some serious 
uh, side effects to it as, as far as the uh, combat crews getting the training that they needed. No, I one good to... thing that I could say about that, though, just, just real quick, was uh, one of the units that I was stationed with when we started the war over in Iraq. Before these crews went over, they went through our site to get the signals, mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure they were up to speed. We gave them their evaluations. They went over, did their thing, and came back. And the uh, pilots were actually calling us, letting us know that the signals that we were presenting to them were the exact signals that they were seeing when they went over there. So that's one of the reasons why all those crews came back alive. And so that's, that's the kind of feedback, you know, in your career field, obviously you really like to get, you know, that you're providing very realistic threat training that actually prepares that, you know, B-52 crew at the time to be prepared for the threats they may encounter out there, you yeah. know, going after a, a hostile target. Now, at this time, you were stationed where? Barksdale? Or? No, at, at that time, I was actually stationed at a uh, remote radar site uh, up in Ashland, Maine. Wow. So I don't know if you remember Loring Air Force Base. I do. I do. Back. Never made it up there, I'm proud to say, but <laughs> I've known folks who were stationed up there. That's the base where, by the way, you're very close to the Canadian border, and they picked yeah. that location because – it was actually, it put the bombers closer to our then adversary and even now adversary of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I, I, I've talked to folks who were at Loring, and they said from time to time they would have moose that would wander on the runway while B-52s were you know heading down and getting ready to take off, and inevitably the moose would amble off at the last second, you know, kind of a game yeah. of chicken with <laughs> <laughs> with a giant moose but yeah that's 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 getting pretty far north there when you're way up yeah. there in northern maine and you know and actually too the bomber wing up there one of their models uh i think it's called a model was uh it's always called the moose is loose so they <laughs> on their tail wings and everything else so yeah what you're saying is absolutely true about the moose up in that area now after the initial assignment up there in maine what were some of the other assignments you had during your air force career Okay, like most of them, like I said, were remote radar sites. Uh, there's La Junta, Colorado, Richmond, Kentucky, uh, Ashland, Maine. Did some TDYs for like uh, three months at a time out in the middle of nowhere. Glen Dive, Montana is one that comes to mind. So we were like all over the, the country, but in isolated places where nobody even knew where we were. We didn't know where we were half the time. <laughs> And, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, most of us in the military were used to being assigned to a base, uh, you know, fairly significant installation that's got, you know, the BX, the commissary, the personnel office, and, you know, basically all the comforts of home. You're at a uh, site where, you know, you and a handful of other people, you're basically, you know, that's the unit, that's the local Air Force installation, and you're not, you know, getting all the uh, creature comforts that we normally have living on base. Did you find that a challenge? Did that, you know, at, at any given time maybe make you reevaluate, do I really want to stay uh, in the Air Force and keep bouncing from one remote site here in the States yeah. to another? Yeah, but to be honest, the, the, I love the mission so much, it, it didn't matter to me because I, I knew that we were doing uh, good things. But you're, you're right, though. Some of the sites that we were actually at, were at, we actually had to build the sites ourselves. Wow. So the uh, interconnects between radar systems, the actual maintenance areas that we worked in, a lot of these uh, facilities we had to actually build ourselves, run the electrical wiring and and, and everything. So it, in a way, it was pretty neat because a lot of stuff that I learned back then, I'm still using today in maintaining my own house. So. <laughs> you know, that raises a, kind of a kind of a good transition point for us. What are some of the important things that you think you gained from those years in the Air Force, and how have they helped you as you transition from military life into your current civilian career with the VEC? Mm-hmm. I, I, I truly think the most significant thing I learned was discipline and a good, strong work ethic. And uh, teamwork definitely uh, was a plus. Those are the, probably three of the main things that I that have really helped me throughout my entire adult life after getting out of the, out of the military. Of course, there are a lot of other things too, like I just mentioned about learning how to build, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you run electrical wires and actually build an actual shed, you know, just mm-hmm. little things like that that sure. you know, a lot of folks probably don't have a clue how to do. It, it comes natural to me now because I did so much of it back during those times. But, but I would definitely say the discipline, the work ethic, uh, teamwork, just a few of the, 
many things that I, I can bring with me. Now, after 27 years on active duty, reaching the highest enlisted rank of the Air Force of Chief Master Sergeant, you retired, transitioned to civilian life. Did you immediately go to work for the VEC, or did you do some other things before you came to the Employment Commission? Well, you know, Gary, that, that is a, a long story that I do not mind sharing with you because it kind of goes into where I've gotten to where I am right now. Uh, when I got out of the military, and I'm saying this for those who might be listening that are currently going through the TAP program, the transitioning service members and, and so forth. When I got out of the military, I went through the TAP program. At the time, I was more focused on the mission still because we still had a mission to perform my household goods and everything else that's on my mind to uh, hurry up and get back into the state. So I was in Korea mm-hmm. at the time. So a lot of the stuff that was going on during the TAP session, I didn't pay that much attention to because I was just totally focused on other more important things that I thought at the time. So when I get out of the, got out of the military, come back home, I decided to take a break and uh, not just immediately go look for a job. I just need to relax a while because I was pretty much burned out after 27 years. <laughs> So I took some time off. Uh, when I did decide to go back to work, I did not realize it at the time, but I had not kept in touch with my the folks that I've worked with in the past. So my network had pretty much drawn dry. So I'm out there shooting out resumes, applying for these jobs, like five, six-page resumes, the same resume to just about every job that was out there that I was interested in. That's what I was sending, uh, looking for work. Uh, if I had paid attention to the tap, classes, they I would have remembered that that's not the way you do it. So, <laughs> so I'm out there just shooting out these resumes, these books, trying to find a job, and I wasn't getting anywhere with anything. It's just like hearing crickets. I'm mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm an E9 retired chief. I've done just about everything, so uh, there shouldn't, shouldn't be having a problem trying to find a job, but I wasn't getting any responses back. So I just decided to go back to school. I said, okay, well, let me just read up my resume, go back to school, end up going to ITT Tech, got another degree in computer networking, got that on my resume, started shooting it out there again, same thing, crickets. So I finally decided, well, I need some help. Where, where can I go? Found out about the vet reps at the VEC office in Hampton. Uh, went there, talked to them. They kind of straightened me out on the wrong. So finally got my resume, tailored it to jobs that I was looking for, started shooting them out there, started getting responses back, getting phone calls, but still wasn't getting um, the interviews. So I, this so happened, my next door neighbor happened to be a vet rep that was stationed in uh, Williamsburg at the time. He knew my uh, situation. So one day I'm out there cutting grass and he just yells across the yard, said, hey, Dave, you ever think about being a vet rep? You know, at the time, I was like, what do I want to do? What am I going to do? So I decided to focus on, well, what can I do best that I like doing? And the first thing that came to mind was, you know, I like helping people. So I started focusing on something to where I might be able to assist people. And when he yelled across the road, did you ever think about being a vet? Yes, I would love to be able to help my fellow veterans find employment. So how long of a period was this from the time you left active duty until you started working for the VEC as a vet rep? A year and a half. Okay. So during that time period, I'm going through everything that I just told you about. So I applied for the job, make a long story short. I had to go through a few hoops to get to where I'm at now, but started out as a, what they call a workforce service rep in Williamsburg, a position to open up in Hampton for a veterans position, applied for that, got it, and that's I'm there now and have been uh, for the past 10 years, actually, and absolutely love what I'm doing. And uh, you guys perform such a valuable service for the military community, not just for those folks, you know, like we've gone through transitioning from active duty back to civilian life, but again, for folks who've been out for a while, for military spouses, dependents, you know, just basically the entire military community. Um, let's talk about some of the services that the VEC specifically offers for military-affiliated clients. Uh, kind of run through some of those, and let, let, let's focus on what you know you as a vet rep can do for somebody who has served or maybe is serving right now and looking to make that transition to civilian life. Okay. Uh, we, of course, we got a system set up for, for doing all of this, um, uh, the DevOps and levers and VESs is what our, our staff 
It's actually called. So we have a position called a Veterans Employment Specialist, VES. His primary uh, duty is to actually uh, connect with the transitioning service members on the military installations. And that's how we kind of uh, get a good group of folks to, to actually work with. What he'll do, he'll go to their the TAP uh, sessions. They, they give us five minutes to explain our <laughs> our program. Wish we had more time than that, but uh, that's all we have. So we just cram it all in to that five minutes, basically explain to the transitioning service members, spouses, or whoever is in attendance about the services that we have to provide them. So one of the main things we want them to do is contact the American Job Center, uh, speak with a vet rep so we can find out, you know, just hear your story to find out what we can do to, to assist you. In a lot of cases, uh, we uh, find out that some of these folks have a lot of issues that need to be overcome. Uh, we call those uh, significant barriers to employment. So we assist them with the overcoming those barriers. We assist them with uh, job searching. Uh, we provide services for uh, writing their resume. In fact, uh, this coming May, what is it? can't think of the date right now, but within the next couple of weeks, we're having a federal resume workshop. So these are the types of services that we provide, not just our transitioning service members, but all veterans and spouses that, that, that may be interested. So we do workshops uh, for, uh, for that and for interview techniques, uh, job searching, those types of uh, uh, events that we have for them. We do mock interviews. So you have a, a person that's getting out that probably, well, let's just take a, 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 a soldier that's just joined the service when he's 18 years old. So this is the only job he's known from, from high school. And now he's getting ready to get out, transition out, has never gone through an interview, never applied for a job, has never done any of those sorts of things as far as looking for work. So we'll put him through a mock interview. And it's usually a panel interview where two or three of the vet reps will sitting there acting like employers, ask him the tough questions. And then we, uh, give a critique, let them know how well they did, whether they answered this correctly, if they were dressed properly, you know, mannerisms, the whole nine yards, we just give them a real strong critique. And, and that usually helps them uh, when they actually go in for a real interview. We provide them labor market information, help them decide on the type of occupation that they, they want to get into. So say you got the individual here at Langley that wants to move to Texas and he wants to be uh, say a nuclear engineer, <laughs> but he doesn't have a clue what the market is like in Texas. So we can sit down with him, do a uh, what we call labor market analysis to let him know the occupation in Texas, uh, what companies in that area are actually hiring for that position, what their salary range is, so the whole nine yards. So he'll have uh, a more educated, um, can make a more educated decision on whether Texas is where he wants to move to for this particular job. Um, just all, all kinds of services that we provide for transitioning service members. And the bad thing about it is a lot of them do not really realize uh, all these services that we have for them. And all of them are free, by the way. So our VES is in there during these TAP briefings, giving his five minute briefing, trying to cram all this stuff in to let them know about our services and whatnot. And if you remember going back to the story that I told you about me, a lot of these guys are in the same situation I was in when they're going through TAP. They're still focused on the mission, worried about their household goods, their family, mm -hmm. and everything else, knowing that this is just a block they have to fill so they can hurry up and, and out process. So a lot of them are not paying attention to the information that's being given to them. So when it's our turn to give our briefing, a lot of them, it just blows right past them. And they don't even know we're there. You know, we, we, we've had this discussion with other organizations that provide assistance for the military community. And, you know, you talked about your own uh, struggles during the transition you know, I had a similar experience when I retired back in uh, 2001. You think, you know, you know how it's going to work. You think you have some insight in the system. And you begin to discover that, you know, making that transition from wearing the uniform to being a civilian is, A, not as easy as you thought it was going to be. And additionally, you know, things have changed since you put on the uniform and joined the Air Force or whatever, whatever branch of the military you went into. And you need to make some adjustments uh, to prepare yourself for where that civilian market is. So with that in mind, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see that transitioning military make in terms of their overall game plan for getting back into the civilian world and finding gainful employment? Okay, one, one of the biggest, I won't necessarily call it a mistake, but uh, 
it, it can be a, a hurdle. I guess you could say a lot of the folks that are getting out now, they're used to making big bucks. In other words, they got that high lifestyle in the military. Got some military, you, you have to admit they, they pay you pretty well. <laughs> so when they take off that uniform, uh, the first thing they're looking for is that same big paying job. You know, just getting out and applying for jobs that you know that you're making, you know, eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year. So that's what they're expecting to get. And that's all they're gonna focus on. Anybody offering them anything less than that, then they're they're not gonna take it. And not to say that they're not worth it. In a lot of cases, some of them based on their skill set probably are, but there's some that, you know, kind of need to sit back and be more realistic and realize that, hey, employers are not going to pay that kind of money for you right off the bat. You know, you, you got to prove yourself first. And plus, they've got other folks that the uh, employees, they're working their way up to that level as well. So they're going to more than likely give that job to them before they give them to somebody that's, you know, just got off, took off the uniform and kind of applied for it. So we're trying to get... Um, a lot of the veterans not to have such high expectations because in, in a lot of cases too, you end up turning down all these other good jobs that you mm-hmm. could have had. And now you're stuck out there not making any money, possibly having to draw unemployment now, not being able to pay your rent mm-hmm. and whatnot. And you, you end up in a bad situation. And uh, we try to educate the, the veterans on that to where, you know, they can set up for something a, a little bit less and then just work your way up, just like you did in the military. Sure, you, know, sure. you didn't start out as a general. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that's one of the biggest issues that we have with uh, with our tra- transitioning service members. Now, one of many, on the one well, for sure. kind of on the flip side of that, you know, perhaps you have military members getting out, you know, expecting, hey, you know, I was doing all this, and you know, I expect to be making, you know, eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollars a year when civilian employer will look at you and say, well, you know, you got to prove yourself first. I guess you might say the other side of that coin is many civilian employers in this day and age hiring managers, even though they are living, working in a military area like Hampton Roads, they have no personal experience with the military. And it's difficult for them to kind of work their way through a military resume and be able Mm -hmm. to you know, say, okay, this person was doing this in the Air Force or the Army, Marine Corps, or whatever, that would really translate well to what we're doing in our organization. So, you know, that seems to be the other side. You know, you've got hiring managers out there that really don't speak military, but you have military members that are preparing and submitting resumes that are built heavily on military terminology, acronyms, you know, lingo that, again, may not resonate with the potential uh, employer. And I'm guessing that that's one of the things you guys focus on in your resume preparation classes. Yes, yes, indeed it is. In fact, too, that is also one of the uh, larger issues that we have with with our uh, transition service members as well, is not knowing how to properly write their resume, getting rid of all those acronyms and putting it into a civilian language. And we do assist uh, with doing that as well. And just a little bit on the flip side of that too, when you're referring to the employers that don't really understand the language and the, and, and working with the um, transition service members, once they, they get out, that's uh, I've heard of the V3 program, Virginia Values yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. program. That's one of the things that they do. Uh, they educate the employers on, on how to uh, communicate and work with the veterans so that when they do hire them, you know, they're in a much better position to, uh, you know, just to, to work with them, basically. Yeah. So One of the things we're very proud of here at Thomas Nelson is the fact that we are a V3 certified employer, and that, you know, is something that we made a conscious effort to become a part of, because you're exactly right. They do great uh, work in not only educating the employer on what transitioning military and veterans have to offer, but, you know, they take it to the next level in terms of getting these organizations, these companies, these firms to actually hire veterans. And V3 has been a huge success. I mean, you have literally tens of thousands of veterans in Virginia who are working right now because of that program. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And if I could throw in a plug for us too, because we, we also do that. I'm mainly focusing right now on the uh, veterans, I guess you'd say the job readiness side of the house, because that's what our, our DBOPs, our Disabled Veterans Outreach Program Specialists do. They're the ones that are sitting there one-on-one with the veterans getting the uh, uh, getting them job ready by system with their resumes and interview techniques and, and all that. But I myself as a uh, 
a lever, a local veterans employment rep. My primary responsibility is to be out there providing, doing outreach to employers for finding those employment opportunities for the job seekers or the or veterans as well. So we, we work kind of hand in hand with the, the V3. The V3 in a, in a lot of cases or in the past when they've uh, put the employers through the training, they let them know about the levers to uh, let them know that the levers is that person they need to be in close contact with to assist them in finding the, uh, the veterans out there that are looking for employment. When you're out there doing outreach to the prospective employers, I'm assuming here in Virginia you find that these companies and firms are usually pretty anxious to hire former military and veterans. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because in a way, it makes my job a little bit easy because I'm supposed to be actually selling them on the incentives and the advantages to hiring uh, veterans. In, a, in most cases, some of these employers is probably a, uh, the owner is a veteran himself, so they, they already know <laughs> what, they're, what they're getting or what they're looking for in veterans. So that makes it a little bit easier for me. But still, I have to be out there advocating for them to uh, push and let them know, hey, but these folks still need jobs just because they're a veteran and you know they have these capabilities, uh, we need you to take a little bit step further and, and actually hire these folks. <laughs> Obviously, so. over the last year, David, we have seen the job market impacted by COVID. We had you know, lots of firms having to lay people off, even shut down. As we kind of move toward a post-COVID world, what kind of job market is awaiting military uh, members who are transitioning, veterans who are you know, entering that job market right now? Well, to be honest with you, Gary, it's the very same uh, market that was out there before COVID. Uh, the problem is a lot of these employers right now, they're, they're having a hard time trying to find good qualified candidates to fill these positions uh, because the, the job seekers are just not coming to them. And I, I think we all know part of the reason why that is. Uh, as far as the unemployment checks that is mm-hmm. <laughs> coming out right now. But the, right now, the market, I, to me, this is just my opinion, it's a job seekers market because the employees are just everywhere, just desperately looking for good qualified candidates. And if we can get these people to get up off of those checks <laughs> and get back out there and start looking for these jobs, then I, I think both sides would be very, very happy. Um, right now, I can say, too, that the Job seekers, um, a lot of them. We have we've been having uh, virtual hiring events for the past I don't know how many months now, trying to get these folks uh, to, to come out and start applying. But for whatever reason, other reasons too, they, they're they're not just they're just not coming out there. So we're trying to get the word out to them to let them know that hey, yeah, right now you're getting a check for doing nothing, but that check's not going to always be there. In a couple of months, that check's going to stop. Yep. But right now, there is good. I mean, seriously good employment opportunities out there for you with benefits and everything. Employers are doing everything they can to draw these job seekers to them to, to hire them. And if they don't come and get these jobs now, a couple of months now, when, <laughs> when everybody will be looking for work, it's going to be a lot more competitive for you and employers, it'll become an employer's market at that time. So a, a lot of things they're offering now may not be there then. So I, I'm, I'm, trying to encourage folks to get out there and, and look for them jobs now. And you mentioned, you know, there are some really great opportunities out there currently that, you know, employers are practically, you know, begging people to apply. Give us some examples. What are some hot fields that we have out here in Southeast uh, Virginia right now? What are some specific jobs that employers are really looking to fill that offer excellent pay benefits and can probably draw upon the training experience that someone got in the military? Well, of course, you, you know the number one is Newport News Shipbuilding. Sure. They're, they're, they're constantly out there looking for these good quality veterans. The uh, I think they call it the Connector. I can't, I can't get the name right now, but Connector Partners Group for, I'll get the right name for you in a minute, but they're the, actually the, the company that's hiring for the uh, bridge expansion. Mm-hmm. The Hampton Roads uh, Tunnel Bridge Expansion. They are looking for folks, I mean, they got hundreds of positions out there open right now that are trying to, to get filled. And they offer good good pay, excellent pay with good benefits as well. Uh, so that's just one on the trade side. You got one on the construction side. Of course, our IT folks are, are constantly out there, especially cybersecurity. They're, that's a hot commodity right now that folks are, are looking for as well. And uh, actually, 
at this point in time, the uh, uh, hospitality industry mm -hmm. is hurting and they're looking uh, for folks as well. So a lot of the major industries right now are hurting. So uh, everything's hot. Sure. Sure. <laughs> for lack of a better term, but those are a few of them just right off the top of my head that, I, that I've been, I've been working with uh, lately that are desperately looking to get those positions filled. Going back to our folks who, again, you know, are transitioning out of the military, may have recently left the military, maybe they're a military spouse. What kind of advice would you give them overall in terms of a, developing a game plan to, you know, to make that transition more smoothly and to have an easier time in finding civilian employment? You know, you mentioned earlier the TAP program, and for many of us, you know, the first time we really thought about that civilian job was during the TAP training. And by that point, in most cases, you're about six months away from, you know, from hanging it up for good. Uh, what kind of advice would you give? When do folks who are going to transition out, what do they need to start thinking about, you know, getting my resume in shape, looking at what I want to do, just building that overall game plan to hopefully ensure a smooth transition from the military to civilian life? Uh, to be honest with you, Gary, that's actually where our program comes into play. So you, you could somewhat call us the after tap <laughs> <laughs> program for lack of a, a better way of putting it. But if the military spouses, the transitioning service members, all those folks that are, are about to transition into a new career or, or, or whatever the case may be, if they would just make an appointment to sit down with our vet reps, for, even if it's just for a few minutes, so we can just do a, a quick analysis of, you know, well, what, what do you want to do and how do you plan on getting there? So we can tell them, okay, well, this might be the right way or you might want to consider this or that. But that, that's kind of like what, what we actually do. And um, how far, David, how far in advance of that ETS date, that separation or retirement date, would you encourage them to, you know, to come to the VEC, sit down with a vet rep and start you know, doing that first look at their resume and their other preparations for making the transition. Okay, the VES I mentioned to you earlier, the Veterans Employment Specialist, he can sit down with them at any time, two years out even, and actually start working with them to help them get their ducks in a row, where we actually come in and start fine-tuning things and doing a more serious uh, job search for them would be at the, about the 90-day period. Okay. That's when we can really seriously start working with them to help them help line them up with a, hopefully a job uh, before they even take off the uniform. And what kind of success rate do you guys have in terms of being able to place your clients into a job? That, that's a tough question to answer, Gary, mainly because, um, how, how can I say this? We, when we assist veterans, help them find jobs or whatever, we have them to apply and they go out and say they, they get hired. In a lot of cases, that once they've hired, they've gone on with their life. They're not even thinking about, hey, how about calling us back and letting us know you got hired so we can you know, at least know whether we've been effective or not. Or in the same case goes with the employer. It's like pulling teeth trying to get the employers to let us know, hey, did you hire this veteran or not? So it's hard for us to gauge our success based on who was actually hired. But if we were to gauge it on how many veterans did we actually, were we actually able to help get an interview? Uh, the percentages are a lot higher because uh, this is something that I argue with my leadership a lot about too. Of course, it's, it's not a winning argument because they're focused on the numbers. They, they want to know, well, who got hired? And I pretty much sound, well, it's not really up to us to determine whether they get hired or not. That's between the individual and the employer. We can work our butts off and do any and everything we can to get them to that interview. Mm -hmm. But once they walk through that door, it is entirely up to that individual, that employer. And so we, we can't really say that we got them hired, but we can't get them to that interview. Sure. So, sure. And you all would think, too, that, you know, we're all to some degree metric focused in today's world and everything. But if you look Going back, say, two, three, four years ago, we really had a serious veteran unemployment problem in this country. We were looking at, especially for younger vets, vets of the Iraq and Afghan wars, their unemployment rate was somewhere around 11, 12, even 13 percent. And in recent years, due to an improving economy, due to services provided by organizations like the VEC, 
that number has been cut more than in half. And so we see, even though veterans' unemployment tends to be a bit higher than the general population, it is now much closer to the general population, the overall number, than it was just a few years ago. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, in, in some cases, too, it's even lower mm-hmm. than the general population. Because I think right now for the, the state of Virginia, the veteran unemployment rate is around 4%, mm-hmm. which is actually is pretty good considering uh, COVID and everything else we've been going going through lately. Absolutely. So, uh, so you know, in, in a way, in answering your, your question, though, if you want to look at it in terms of the unemployment rate, yeah, we, we're doing a, a heck of a job as far as getting our, our folks employed, but we can't just give you that specific number saying, hey, this is the part that, that we played and get sure. this number down. So we just have to go with the overall number and, and say we all as a team, you know, are getting the credit for getting that number down to where it is. Now, in terms of getting people ready for that civilian job once they leave the military or helping them find a job after they've already made the transition, one thing that people may be surprised to learn is that not only can you help with things like resume preparation, you know, um, mock job interviews, you know, telling them what kind of attire you want to wear to the interview, you know, don't show up in jeans and a T-shirt, you know, you want to look professional and what have you. But other things that you guys provide that are really essential in landing that civilian job, you guys can actually help with training to give that uh, veteran, that transitioning military member, the skills they need to land that new job. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah, that, that, that is true. In fact, you know, I have to give most of the credit to our partnering agency, uh, the Virginia Career Works. They're actually the uh, training and education uh, side of the coin. Uh, you, you might say we mainly focus on the employment. They focus on the education and training. So if we get a individual that comes in that's looking for a particular job or wants to change careers even uh it's not like well we're going to find you this job for that now no you're going to have to go through and get re get a certification or a license or a degree or whatever in order to uh, have an honest shot at, at that job so that's when we re- refer them to our partnering agency that's actually across the hall from a, from our office it's called the virginia uh, career works and they provide all of that through a program called WIOA. It's called the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act, to where if you're eligible eligible for that program, the government can actually pay for your education, pay for your supplies, equipment, uh, whatever it needs for that particular occupation that you're you're sh- shooting for. So that that's uh, where our partner definitely plays a significant role in helping us get our veterans uh, employed as well. So once they get that education, that certification, that license or whatever it is that they need, if, if that veteran then comes back to us and say, hey, I've, I've got my credentials now, then we can get to work on trying to help him find that, that job that he's looking for. You know, it's funny you mentioned Virginia Career Works. We had Lisa Taylor from VCW on the podcast, uh, yeah. you know, not long ago, and we talked extensively about the uh, training piece and the services they provide. And, you know, again, folks, me and I appreciate the really – the hand-in-hand relationship that VEC and VCW have and how it can really benefit somebody who is coming out of the military, somebody who has left the military. Because again, like you said, they may talk with the veterans rep at VEC and discover, hey, I need to skill up. I need some new skills to be more competitive in the job market. You can send them, as you said, literally across the hall to VCW and VCW can plug them into a program that will give them the training, the skills, the credentials and in many cases, the training is going to be absolutely free. Yeah, yeah. And so, Why really, you want to go for that? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Free is always better. Something else I want to talk about too that folks may not really understand or appreciate is that military and veterans actually have a priority in terms of service with your organization. Yes, yes, yes. Indeed, it's called the uh, actually called priority of service. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, any uh, program, education or training program like the WIOA that is funded uh, in whole or in part by the Department of Labor, uh, we're required to provide eligible veterans and spouses a priority of service. And what that basically means is uh, they get to move to the front of the line when it comes to any types of services that we're, that we're providing to assist them with employment, education or training, whatever the case may be. So that, that's kind of like in a nutshell 
what we mean by a priority of service. Sure. And talk about some other um, initiatives and programs that uh, VEC is involved with that benefit our military community. I know, for example, uh, you have your annual uh, Virginia Women's Veterans Summit coming up here soon. It's going to be a virtual event again this year due to COVID. You know, talk about events like that. Talk about your hiring events and how transitioning military veterans, spouses, can access these types of programs. Right. Um, like I said, that's one of my primary responsibilities is connecting uh, these veterans with employers and employment opportunities. So one of the primary ways that we do that is through our hiring events. Uh, we've got this program or uh, that's called uh, Premier Virtual and it's a, a virtual program that we use our a platform that we have been using uh, for the past maybe six or eight months now to where we can actually have statewide, regional, or local uh, virtual events. And to give you an example of how successful they were, the first event that we had uh, last year, can't remember the exact time frame it was, but we had like over 300 employers registered for that event and over 5,000 job seekers. I mean, that sounds like a lot, but when you're talking statewide, that's not really uh, that big of a deal. But uh, we had another statewide event uh, a couple of months back where we had over, I think it was over 600 employers registered and like close to 12, 14,000 job seekers. I mean, that's that's more like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so events like that are available to the uh, transitioning service members, spouses, uh, veterans, guardsmen, reserves, the, the whole nine yards. So events like that, we coordinate and have, uh, it's for the general public, but at the same time, it's, it's for our, our veterans as well. I just recently, uh, last month, had two events, one with uh, Fort Eustis and one with Langley Air Force Base. Those were more military-focused. Uh, so same type of, same platform we used, uh, Premier Virtual but we had those events for, for those two bases, too, that were, that were pretty successful. Um, I know Fort Eustis wants to have another virtual event this year. I think we're scheduling it for sometime in September. And then after that, they're want to, wanting to hopefully be able to go back to in-person events. But they decided to play it safe and just do one more sure. virtual event for this year. Do you so see um, these virtual events continuing in some shape or form even after we get past COVID? Or do you think that employers really prefer to have that face-to-face engagement that you have at a traditional hiring event or job fair? I'm sure most of the employers want to get back to that in-person thing. But I think the virtuals are going to be here for a while for the, for the main reason is uh, the expense. There virtually isn't any mm-hmm. <laughs> for the events that we have anyways. We don't charge the employers for them. So it's not like we're scrambling, trying to find a location, trying to go out and, and uh, get sponsors to provide food to feed <laughs> the employers and, you know, traveling to all these locations for these events when you can just sit at your home or sit in your office and, and actually do the do the event. So I, I think employers will probably be weighing the costs associated with the in-person events too, and we'll probably do a mix of the two throughout the, the rest of the year. And hopefully sure. by next year, all this will be over with and we can be back to some kind of normal. But yeah, we can, we can only cross our fingers and hope. I had mentioned the Virginia Women Veterans Summit that's coming up here, I think, in June. Used to be a live event. Now COVID is forcing it to be a virtual event for the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about that. And for female veterans, because we know Virginia has, I think, more female vets than any other state in the country. For vets in that category, what can they gain by being a part of this uh, Women's Veterans Summit that's coming up next month? Okay. And, and to be honest with you, Gary, I don't know much about the summit because we have a, a certain part of our JVS, JVSG team that actually focuses on doing that in the partnership with the, the V3 folks. But I do know just based on what I, I know of the event, it is a very, very important event, I think, for all spouses to participate in. They have all kinds of guest speakers to provide you just about any type of information that, that you need about anything concerning you know, searching for, for jobs or just ways to improve yourself, period. Uh, it has grown to be a very uh, big event. So I think this thing started maybe about four or five years ago, and uh, it's been growing bigger and bigger every year. 
So I can get back with you on some more information sure. on that, but I, I really don't have a whole lot. And we're actually hoping to have somebody who is one of the leaders, organizers of the Women's Summit join us here on the podcast before that event takes place here in June. I know we've got folks in the listening audience out there who would love to learn more about how they can be a part of it and some of the benefits they could derive by uh, by taking part in that event. As we kind of wrap things up here today, David, any kind of final words of advice or wisdom for, again, for military members who are getting ready to make that exit or for veterans who are out there, you know, looking for civilian employment in terms of what they ought to be doing, again, in terms of interacting with the VEC and, again, what you guys can do in terms of kind of like a uh, overall view to help them, you know, make that transition? Yeah, I would say one of the most important things, if you have the opportunity to get any type of education training for a certification or a license or for the uh, particular career field or occupation that you're currently in while on active duty, uh, get it. Do it now. It will help you out tremendously once you uh, take off that uniform because a lot of the employers out there, say, for instance, you've uh, worked a motor pool uh, um, on base, so you've been driving a, a, a truck and doing all kinds of things with transportation for the past 10 or 15 years, you, you, you get out of the military, you're looking for a job now in transportation to drive a truck or whatever, and you don't have the CDL or the license or whatever that's required for it. Now you got to go back to school, get the certification, whatever, before they will even consider you for the job. I know there are programs out there now to where they're helping uh, troops get those CDLs and certifications before they get out. So I highly recommend that you take advantage of any type of training program out there like that before you take off that uniform. It, it will save you a lot of time and uh, help you to find a job a lot quicker if, if you do that. And, of course, it's, you know, really never too early to start thinking about that next step. You mentioned, you know, that you sometimes get uh, transitioning military who are two years away from that retirement or ETS date who are coming in and accessing your services. And I know that many employment experts say that's that's a really good thing to do. Start thinking about it in advance. Look at, you know, where you want to go what you want to do, the skills, education, and training you may need to get that job. And by, you know, moving back that preparation timeline from six months to two years, you're giving yourself a lot of additional time to do what you need to do to get ready for that transition and be better prepared for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, The other thing that I would highly advise them to do is contact their local American Job Center get in touch with a, a vet rep, give us an opportunity to just talk with you, even for even if it's just for five minutes, just to make sure you, you got your ducks in a row or working, you know, going towards the right direction and getting you a good job or whatever. So I, I would highly recommend that. And if I could real quick, just put in a plug for the JVSG program as a whole, for those folks out there that may not know what I'm talking about when I say JVSG, it stands for Jobs for Veterans State Grant program. It's actually a program that's funded by the federal government. It's mandated, or to say we are mandated by the federal government, and we're trained by the federal government to provide these services that that I've just uh, mentioned with you uh, uh, today. So I like to say that we are kind of like the total package. A lot of agencies out there can provide you bits and pieces of, of things that you want, but if you sit down with us, we can take you from cradle to grave, <laughs> pretty much. We'll uh, do an assessment, determine what your needs are, help you to fulfill those needs, come up with a employment plan to help you find that job that you're looking for, assist you with finding that job, advocate for you on behalf of the employer, on behalf of uh, the veteran to that employer to help them land that job. And then we shake your hand at the end and say, thank you for your service and good luck. So that, that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's all these things that I just mentioned to you, plus a lot more we do, and there are a lot of our own partners and agencies that we work with on a daily basis that don't really understand, appreciate, or know the capabilities of the JVSG program. So would recommend, too, if, if nothing else, tell, get folks to just Google it. Just Google JVSG <laughs> and just read up on it and see what that program is about and what we are able and capable of doing for our veterans spouses and transitioning service members. And for folks who would like to get in contact with you at the VEC, give us your contact information, please. Okay. I can give you my uh, email address. It's David 
dot debose, D-E-B-O-S-E, at V-E-C, Victor Echo Charlie, dot Virginia, spelled out, dot gov. So it's David dot debose at V-E-C dot Virginia dot gov. And how about your phone number and the uh, V-E-C website? Okay, uh, my phone number. Really hate giving it out, but I can because I have everybody well, calling. Yeah, I was gonna say, if your 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 office number, if 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 you're yeah. you know you're, I'm assuming you're still accessing your office phone yeah. even though you're working remotely now. So, give us your office phone number and again the uh, VEC website for veterans. Okay, my office phone number is seven five seven eight six five five eight one one. Okay, and, and the our, website. And our website is www.vawc, Victor Alpha Whiskey Charlie, Virginia.gov. And when you go to that site, there's actually an icon for veteran services. You click on that icon, it'll tell you any and everything about us, the types of services that we have for, to provide for you, the, the whole nine yards. David, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today. We appreciate, you know, your time, and thank you again for all you do for our military and veterans. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the opportunity. Wish you well. That is all my veterans and job seekers out there, good luck. Contact us. Let us help you. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. That's David DeBose. He's the lead veterans employment representative for the Virginia Employment Commission at their Hampton office, uh, which is normally located at 600 Butler Farm Road in Hampton, Suite B. But again, most of them are working remotely now due to COVID. Hopefully that's going to change in the uh, weeks ahead. But again, you can contact uh, David at the email address he provided and also the phone number. So again, if you're military transitioning, you're a military spouse, dependent, if you are a veteran, need of uh, services to help you find that uh, job, maybe improve your employment situation, again, we highly encourage you to take advantages of what's available to you through the VEC. This has been At Ease, the military podcast of Thomas Nelson Community College. I'm Gary Pounder. Thanks for listening.